0: Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to a Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, September 29th, 2020. I'm Gavin Pickin, and thanks again, Brad, for coming to join me. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. So uh, let's get into this right away with our sponsors. Let's thank Order Solutions. Do this. So Order Solutions has uh, been busy, and we actually now have an extra workshop scheduled. So now there are three virtual mm-hmm. workshops coming what? up in October and November. So we'll tell you A- more available. about that. veritable
1: three workshops. Man.
0: Yeah. So we'll tell you about that third one soon. And obviously, CFcast is uh, our subscription content, so you can check that out where you get free and paid content every week. And Audis has recently announced a couple more support packages and plans. So now, um, if you want, uh, the ultimate support package is our Space Ninja subscription. <laughs> so uh, we can help you with all the different box products you're using. And uh, that's a, a pretty, uh, Pretty inclusive package there. And we also have a modernization service package. So if you guys are looking at doing some modernization, uh, maybe that package will work for you. So if you go to autosolutions.com slash services, you can find out all about the the different services we offer. Sounds and, cool. Yep. And our Patreon supporters, of course, we always have to thank them. They're spending their hard earned money to support this podcast. And we're right at that sixty percent mark for being supported by Patreon. So you Patreon supporters are putting more money into this podcast than auto solutions, and we thank you. So we'll tell you a little more about them at the end. So let's get into the news. So And events. Oh, and events, yeah. So the news flash, our third workshop. Which one is it, Brad?
1: Um, I don't know. I just minimized the show notes. Um <laughs> I, I I wasn't even aware of it. Quick online workshop scheduled November fifth and sixth. That means it's not going to be like a long workshop, it's just a quick workshop.
0: It's a quick two day workshop. So, what, what is quick again? Quick, quick is a, <laughs> a special Cold Fusion based ORM. Um, yep, uh, Eric on, Peterson. Eric, special. <laughs> Eric Peterson is uh, built that from scratch in Cold Fusion because we were sick of some of the Hibernate fun. So uh, mm, fun. Yeah, that's the way to put it. I was trying to be nice. So, <laughs> Yep. So with that, uh, the quick workshop, it's not quite on the website right now. By the time you guys are listening, if you're listening after the fact uh, on our po- podcast, uh, you'll be able to probably go online to the order Solutions site and register. Um, that information has been added today, so you'll see that very soon. And uh, I know a lot of people have been asking for it. John Farrar. John? It's finally here. The quick workshop you've been waiting for is here. So you better be the first to sign up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and of so. course, Quick is built on top of QB.
1: So if any of you guys out there are are already familiar with Query Builder, maybe you're using that in some of your projects. Quick is just kind of another step that builds on top of that. So already be familiar.
0: Yeah, the ORM piece of it, uh, it's not. Not that hard to actually update, you know not that hard to add to your c f c if you're using a bean or a model for your uh, for your objects It's not much different really, so add a couple little uh note, you know annotations in there and uh quick can do a lot of the hard work for you save you a lot of time and effort so definitely recommend quick uh we're using it a lot these days, and we really love it so definitely a step <laughs> up so check that out Cool uh, do you know what the prerequisites are for that course? I don't. Um, I I think they're they're pretty pretty much. I think they're pretty wide open to be honest, but I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I know Eric's been working hard on this workshop. And some of the blog stuff that he's been doing on CF con- uh, CF Cast for so the content there is based on what you'll be doing in the workshop. So if you guys are CF Cast subscribers, you're probably already getting a, a, a taste of what you might be working on in the workshop. So check that out as well but uh, we will know next week, we will tell you for sure. But as of right now, you might have to wait a day or two for it to get up on the order site. So, okay, so next up, we have a a Seattle CFUG meeting coming up here. Uh, It's not too often we get these much anymore, but it's good to see them out and about. So Wednesday, October the 14th online via Zoom, uh, Leon O'Daniel is gonna be talking about integrating your ColdFusion app with the Thinkific platform. So I'm actually pretty interested in this one because I've done a lot of work with Thinkific. I've got a, a pretty, uh, pretty elaborate system set up for uh, one of our clients. And we use the Thinkific API exclusively and we actually do a lot of the work uh, for registration and everything. It's pretty interesting. I really like working with their API and this is basically what this talk is about. So if you're looking for a learning platform, this might be a good uh, talk. Or if you want to just learn how to interact with third party APIs, this is probably a good talk for you too. So I'm actually Think curious. Ithic. I'm yeah. not even
1: familiar with this platform, the Thinkific
0: platform. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's similar to Teachable and Codier and all those other ones. There's a lot of uh, good features in it. I like Everything the API need... access.
1: Yeah. Everything you need to run your education business under one roof. Yep. Hmm.
0: And so one of the things that I did for my customer was they actually have contracts with companies and then they basically, um, you know, control the, the content. They deliver the content to lots of organizations, but with Thinkific, normally it's a, I'm an individual, I'll go sign up for this course setup. But what we did is we actually gave uh, the companies that they work with, this other company, the ability to manage their employees so they can actually add their employees to trainings. And we basically put a middle layer in there so they can administer things. So you know, it was, it was a pretty interesting project. It's like and, a
1: learning management system?
0: similar but this is a more of a you know a consumer facing one so it's like udemy or stuff like that if you're going to build your own version um and they do have some sharing where you can sell some stuff across but basically give your own little site and it's sort of independent whereas if you're in udemy you're competing with all the hordes of people doing the training so (laughs) the hordes yeah so it's pretty
1: cool that should be a a fun um thing just uh not thing um session webinar what, what do you call this thing yeah user group meeting Yep. It should be a fun <laughs> example of, of integrations.
0: Yeah, and it's a really nice API. Like I said, it's working really well. And uh, they have a few different platform um, you know, packages and everything. But yeah, the API they had and the control they had via the API was the why we, we ended up going with Thinkific. Um, so much much more control. And yeah, you could do a lot with it. So like I said, I'll be definitely tuning into this one to, to see what they've done. And it's kind of interesting. So good to see some user groups out there. You know, presenting again so so go check that out it's up on meetup.com under the seattle-coldfusion-user group um, we'll have that link here in the show notes so okay so last week we also had uh, an online meetup, Charlie's um, online CF meetup and that was with Dan Gags, and that was one we talked about last mm-hmm. week about using Docker for local development so yeah, it looks like
1: isolation is a good thing. Was the name of it? Figure local dev environments.
0: Yeah, and so it shows you how to quickly set up your you know development environment and allow you to archive them later if you're working on different projects. So a pretty neat little one. Uh, I have to finished watching the recording and you saw a little bit of that. So, um, can't give you a full review on it, but in case you missed it, it's available. It's up on YouTube. Um, Charlie's got a, a playlist with over 270 videos now in there for that, uh, online CF meetup going back a long time, but, uh, a lot of great content there. So I know they've got a couple more, um, meetups scheduled coming up soon. They'll be releasing the information very soon there. My, presentation got pushed back a couple of weeks due to just overloaded. So uh, I'll be speaking in a couple of weeks, but I think next week they have a different one. So, but yeah, definitely check that one out from Dan Skaggs, um, really, really good one, especially if you're trying to get a more streamlined local development process set up. So also in case they missed it, I had a webinar last week as well on modern cold fusion, no more copy paste. And so I did that last Friday on September 25th and the video is now up on cfcast.com. Uh, it's free for the first month. So if you want to check it out, if you missed it, you can go check that out on see cast for free. And we had a pretty good session we had quite a few people show up, I think it was one of the most attended ones so far. So I don't know if that just means we're building up steam or maybe that topic really hit home and we got more people there. Maybe it was just a good day of the week. Friday. <laughs> we always do Fridays, but yeah. So. Uh,
1: yeah. I, w- I wasn't even able to make it. I don't know what I was doing, but I had a bunch of stuff on my schedule that day. Um, yeah. Cause that's it's good to hear it went well.
0: Yeah. So it was kind of interesting for me too. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the examples I used in there, I'd used, you know, before at different times and a few things I'm like, well, I'm not even sure if this still works this way. So it was interesting <laughs> to, to dive into it and, you know, we tried a few different things. And one of the interesting things was I, I went all the way to the point where we do Forgebox packages. And I can, you know, compare the, the the time and the cost, essentially, of using a Forgebox package versus pointing at the GitHub repo. And so I looked at the different oh. sizes for something like ColdBox, you know. And obviously, if you're using Forgebox and you're using Semvo ranges and everything else, you have more control. Also having that artifacts cache where we don't have to go and re download it every single time would you know add up pretty quickly. So had a little information yeah. in there as well. But you know, we talked about using CF include, CF module, custom tags, all the way through. So it was it was pretty interesting. You know, get, try to give the pros and cons of each approach and why you might like something and why you might not. And so, so where do people go if they miss that and they want to listen to it? They go to the cfcast.com uh, under the webinar series. We have a little series for our oldest webinars and, and, and that's an free entry, content, right? Free content for the first right. month. C-
1: oh, just for the first month.
0: Yep. So, so for- you have
1: exactly 30 days to watch this before you can never see it again. Unless you have a subscription to CFcast. cast. Is that how this works?
0: That's the way it works. Yep. Ooh, the countdown is on people. Yep, put a little uh, urgency in there, and we'll see what happens. So Sweet. that's what the marketing people have decided. So there it is. So uh, yeah, Watch but, it while you can. Yep.
1: All right. Mm. Sweet. So also, I hear that uh, Content Box Five uh, beta is in the development branch. So we and by we I mean Luis. <laughs> it's like a royal we that really just means Luis has been cooking on Content Box, um, especially with the, the recent news of, uh, of Mura changing its its uh, licensing. Um, so we've had a lot of interest in ContentBox and it's lit a fire into Luis and he's worked on a uh, multi-tenant feature, which has been one of the most requested features that we've never actually gotten into it. So basically one ContentBox installation could have multiple different sites uh, without having to have you know an installation for every client, or every tenant rather. Um, <clears throat> I know I think there's a bunch of updates to the admin screens. And I think it's using CF migrations now to update the database, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, we have to do some major database updates because of the, you know, the way all the keys need to change when the multi-tenant. Oh yeah, probably
1: touched almost every table, I'm guessing, to have a a tenant ID or something like that in there.
0: Pretty much, yep. And so now when you set up your site, you'll get basically two sites in there. So you can see how that works with a multi-tenant. And Luis is like he's kind of surprised he actually likes it a lot for doing dev staging production. Cause now he can basically do in the same code base, have the you oh, know, new yeah. content. And then you just basically clone the content over from one site to the other using the import export or whatnot. And now all of a sudden you've got your staging content in production. So that's a really good point. Being able to have two different environments worth of content all inside of an installation. Yeah. Cause we've obviously been using Docker lately. So for us, multi-tenant didn't make a lot of sense, but now thinking out about it this way is basically your your tier of information, then it made it, you know, a little different. So so yeah, it was kind of interesting. He's been, you know, exploring as he's been developing and everything. And so he's like, well, well maybe we should use this, you know, save it for content migration, sort of a QA mode. And then you can just sort of deploy your content as needed. So
1: Yeah, so how do people test this? Where do they need to go?
0: Well, it's in the development branch. So at BE should bring you down the, the latest version of the Bleeding Edge. And which, which one of the 57
1: slugs on Forgebox is that? That's a content good box? question.
0: Because, yeah, that's one thing with Contentbox. We had to give you multiple slugs because if you wanted to add Contentbox just as a module inside of your existing call box site, you could do that. If you wanted to use the, the site, you basically the whole site, which has call box and content box inside of it, you would use the content box site. And if you just wanted the installer, there was a content box dash installer. So I believe content box site is the one you'd want to use because so that gives you the, the call box site with content box in it all ready to go. All right. So if you just want to like create an empty folder,
1: chuck in content box five, spin it up, play with it. You want to install content box
0: site. At I believe that be. Yep. And that should All be right. there. So we're ready for you guys to start testing out the new features. And then obviously we're still working on it. Still got some extra things we're doing, but a lot of the big pieces are are done there. So we're excited. According to Luis and Slack today. It's cooked. Content Box v5 is cooked. It's done. Yeah. Finalized. Put yep. it in production. Well, it might be pretty soon. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> need it. that feedback. All yeah. right. Got to test it. Throw throw people under the under the bus. Throw them in the deep end and uh see what happens. So. All right. So if they do find issues, they want to go put that in Jira or report it via Slack. I think people if, get back with us. Yep. Jira is good, but also Slack, which J- <laughs> any way possible feedback is feedback. We'll take it. However you give it. So, so yeah. Cool. Okay. Next up, let's talk about some of the CF cast content updates. So again, every week mm-hmm. we try and give you some new stuff and we actually had a pre announcement on the, build a blog with quick a couple weeks back. That was actually incorrect. So the series was released, but none of the videos were released yet. So that was a, a mishap there. So uh, build a blog with quick. We got the introduction. Hashtag fake news. Yep. So we got the introduction, which is free content. So you can see a bit about that. And then we have the getting started and displaying a list of posts in that series, which are under the <laughs> s- subscription. And then as we mentioned the webinar, my um, modern confusion, no more copy and paste. That's under the webinar series. So that's in there as free content right now. So lots of good awesome. content. I think we've got some more CF config coming here soon and some more VS Code. So lots of content. There's lots of series getting added to almost every week. So
1: uh so John Ferrar just asked in the chat, what does he do if he finds an issue with a CF cast course? Um on what kind the, of issue do you
0: mean on that, John? Yeah, because there's support page there uh, has a, a contact email. You can set that up.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing that the short answer is probably going to be use that support page to, to contact us, but it probably depends on if, if your issue is just using the site or if your issue is maybe information that you think is incorrect in the course or something. But I would say, yeah, the most generic answer is probably fill out that support form so we can help you out with it.
0: Yeah, and if you know the you know, the producer of the content, if it's Eric's video, for example, I'm sure he's pretty uh, noticeable. He gets back to people pretty quickly on the Slack channels. So, Okay.
1: Yeah, so John says you're trying to get a database set up for the quick course. I mean, if you were to go into the Box Team Slack in the quick channel and just ask, you could, you could probably get help from from people in the community and or Eric there. So,
0: Yeah, it should be pretty quick. Pun intended. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into our conferences. So, into the box workshops, as we mentioned, we have three now uh, scheduled and planned. We have the Callbox Zero to Hero, led by me October 8th and 9th. We have the Callbox 6, it's got updated to Callbox 6 now. So, Callbox 6, Hero to Superhero, nice. led by Luis Mahano on uh, the 22nd to 23rd. And then on November 5th and 6th, we have that quick workshop led by Eric Peterson. So, so as-
1: at, at what point do our, do these workshops stop being into the box workshops and just start becoming random workshops that orders has decided to do? Well, that's I mean, what it, I was actually it,
0: wondering myself earlier. We've, we've sort of it,
1: clearly done all the workshops at this point that I think we advertised for into the box. And now we're just like, the last one. <laughs> okay, n- now we're just kind of like rescheduling stuff because, Hey, people want it. So is it really an into the box workshop or is it just hey, orders workshop?
0: Yeah. I'm not sure we can maybe change the thing to conferences like and workshops. five,
1: five years from now. We're like, you know, the 51st into the
0: box 2020 workshop <laughs> <laughs> might be 2021 by then, but yeah, no, that's,
1: that's the joke. That's the joke is we'd still be <laughs> calling it the into the box 2020 workshops.
0: Yes, John, there's a quick workshop. You must be in late to the, to the, Oh,
1: John, yeah. you missed it. Oh, you missed it, man. We no. were, we were talking about just yeah. talking about your long awaited workshop.
0: Yep, it's finally here. So if you're not the first person to sign up, we're going to be sad and disappointed, John. It's November if, 5th and 6th.
1: If you're not the first person to sign up, we're actually going to penalize you and charge you extra when you do sign up. So just be aware of that. It'll be the, the John Ferrar upsell because he didn't sign up fast enough.
0: <laughs> yep. And that's going to be uh posted on the Autis website in a couple of days. Uh John, they're working on the content right now. Yeah. They're adding to Ventbrite, getting the tickets set up, et cetera. So either today or tomorrow, you'll be able to sign up for that quick workshop yeah. on Auto Solutions. The marketing team is processing it as we speak. Operators cool. are standing by. Yep. And if you want the podcast 10 code, we should give you 10% off of all of our workshops there too. There you go. Okay. So tomorrow we have a, a conference, jconf.dev. I didn't say JSConf <laughs> nice. this time. Good job. <laughs> yeah. But uh one of the cool things about that we mentioned a long time ago is if you signed up for that conference, they would actually send you swag. And the cool thing about it is I did sign up for that and I got some swag. So here's a few items Show that Show it to us. Pick so, or it didn't happen. So I got a little sentry uh, stress hot dog. <laughs> I got some uh oh, nice. freaking USA socks. My wife loves rainbows and she's got those already. Uh we got one of the <laughs> webcam hiders for all those Zoom meetings that people <laughs> is, what what is
1: what is freaking USA? Is that an actual company name?
0: Yeah, um I guess it was made in the freaking USA. That's <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's actually Made Freaker in the
1: freaking USA. Oh, yeah. yeah, but
0: it's called Freaker USA. So I was confused, but they are well, pretty cool <laughs> socks. <laughs> so My that's pretty funny. Wife's happy about that. So we got the couch base. Uh, you know, webinar cover. Uh, we got a little pin. So it's a mux pin. Just API video stuff. Pretty interesting. But it's a actually a little pin. It was kind of cool. Uh, I got some headphones too. So that was nice. Always need more headphones, where the kids go through them. Oh my gosh, I know. And then I've got a little bouncy ball, stress ball, and it's elastic, which is pretty funny. <laughs> and then uh, a few extra stickers and a little J-Conf pin as well. Thought it was pretty neat. Nice J-Conf t-shirt. And then Brad's favorite, I'm sure, because we love J-Frog. J-Frog. <laughs> they always have some pretty cool... Pretty cool content, pretty cool uh, t-shirts and stuff. They're, we always nice. like those, right? So
1: Yeah, JFrog has the coolest conference t-shirts.
0: So, yeah, I was pretty, pretty happy with that. I was thinking, you know, a little teeny envelope or something, but nope, came in a box, a bunch of stuff. So pretty good for an online conference, I thought. So anyway, so that conference itself is tomorrow. Uh, jconf.dev, you can sign up. It's free. It's going to be online um, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central tomorrow. A lot of great content. Uh, we mentioned a lot of Java presenters there, including Venkat, which <laughs> our little favorite Venkat. So he'll be presenting too. Cool. Next, we also have uh, Adobe CF Summit 2020 coming up soon. So November 17th to 19th is online and free. You can sign up at eventscom uh, and they're listing speakers now. There's 12 speakers listed, so oh and we have another conference coming up here um i did not know but tomcat conference so uh, part of ApacheCon, yeah. is running today and the next two days from 11 to 4 central time entirely online and free and that is at ApacheCon. Uh, let's see if i can get the link here charlie's posting in the notes here so we appreciate that charlie cool i'm going to add that to the show notes right now oh I'm that already, already is. the show notes.
1: I'm ahead of you.
0: So very cool. So yeah, so next couple of days, if you guys are um, interested, Tomcat.com. So obviously Tomcat runs underneath Lucy and uh, Adobe, and that's a big part of uh, ColdFusion these days. So if you want to I- learn a little bit more about it, um, definitely check that one out. So
1: I somehow hadn't heard anything about this. That's so pretty cool.
0: There are so many conferences around right now. It's kind of crazy. So that's true. I'm yeah, it's hard to keep up with them all. So, but that one's there. So, as we mentioned, the Adobe conference in November sign up online for free. And then they don't have any workshops this year that they've announced, but they are doing the online call Fusion certification. Uh, the introductory offer for that is $4.99. Uh, you can find out more um, on their they have a blog post about it. Also, a registration link, which we'll share in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, lots of great video content. Take a multiple choice quiz at the end, and if you pass, you get a cool little badge and a certificate from Adobe. And that if badge you don't, follows you'll you. You'll be
1: electrocuted in your share
0: So, uh, so mean. Charlie just put another note here in the
1: chat, Charlie Earhart, that that uh, the TomCon Tomcat Con, which is part of ApacheCon, actually has uh, Egal Superior speaking. In it and he's one of the uh, core developers of lucy server apparently he's not speaking on lucy but he is speaking at the conference so that's a pretty cool little note about that
0: that's cool did he speak last year at that too because i remember him having a video where he was talking at a conference uh, you know sure. that
1: sounds familiar but i can't quite
0: Place remember
1: it. for sure here we go so he's speaking on reverse proxying with nginx
0: oh okay cool there cool so that sounds like a good session for everybody a lot of people use nginx these days oh and charlie has as well charlie spoke at uh tomcat Kong uh, a couple of years ago as well man they will just let anybody in there won't they <laughs> <laughs> not you brad they got standards <laughs> yeah i know so um next up we just want to remind you to see if camp is not happening in 2020 um cfcamp.org you can find out a little bit more about why and uh, what they're planning to do uh, coming up but essentially they you know they can't risk in person and they don't want to do a bad job they wanted to do it justice with you know and so they're just skipping the online this year and obviously there's plenty of online conferences so uh, don't worry about that and another conference as well ITB LATAM is in planning, and that should be aimed for early December, so we'll give you more information for that, and that's going to be you know, a Spanish conference. So it should be, I believe, free as well. We'll have to give you a little more information. Yeah, so. it's going to be
1: virtual. In fact, Luis has
0: already asked me about maybe doing a session for it. I don't think
1: anything's in stone yet. Um, of course, I don't speak enough Spanish to present in Spanish. so. If I did it, I would present in English and then have slides all with Spanish subtitles, which had me thinking like, I I usually say a heck of a lot more words than what will fit in the slides. So (laughs) if if I do end up doing the session for the ITB Latam, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how well that works out. But I don't know, John Clausen did it last year uh, in person. I think they just had Spanish on the screen. so
0: yeah and and that's the thing too is a lot of a lot of the speakers down there did speak english but they're just more comfortable in spanish you know and
1: you mean the attendees
0: yeah sorry but um yeah
1: i mean i would guess probably most people attended knew some english but obviously listening to someone babble in in a language that's not your your first language can be difficult to actually soak in what they're saying for sure so Yep. I think that's cool how they how they kind of, you know, from my understanding, at least is saying they even had some kind of like, um, I don't know if interpreter is the right word, but like people helping like to kind of translate on the fly in case there's anything that didn't come across. Um, so that's kind of cool. Obviously adds a whole, you know, kind of layer of complexity on top of a conference when you're trying to span a couple languages. But
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're obviously dedicated to, uh, you know, South America, Spanish speaking. And we're even looking at creating a series of uh, CF cast content in Spanish. So we're working oh, nice. on that. So we'll be would, multilingual would, soon. Would
1: you, re- would you re-record the videos or would you just do like voiceovers just to change? Just I think, translate, there, what was being said? I think there's, we're planning for new videos completely. So oh, Okay. But, but I was thinking like if there weren't sound effects in the video and you could just map out what was said and just like lay a different audio track. But I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't work out as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's possible that they they may do that, too. Obviously, a lot of people, it's kind of weird when you see uh, code in other languages. A lot of times, some of the things (laughs) are not, you know, not English, but most of it is. So it'd be kind of strange to be programming in a different language and using all the function names in English and all the non-function, you know, all the variables are not. (laughs) So
1: That's a good point. If you're showing stuff on your screen, um, there's, you know, browser prompts and things that wouldn't be in the right language. I mean, I run into the same thing when I'm working with our El Salvadorian team. I say, yeah, click the close window button. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry. It, it's not what it's called <laughs> on your screen. I don't know what it says, but, you know, it's just a good point. So I guess it might make sense to re-record it, not only spoken in that language, but using, you know, a browser and a computer that's in that language naturally.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, some re-recording may make sense, but. Our goal, I think, is to get the c- content out there in, you know, original content, specifically aimed at at Spanish speaking. And so, so That's uh, awesome.
1: Because but- I mean, one, one of Ordis's kind of mission is to be able to, you know, spread CFML love and, you know, in Central America, Latin America and stuff through conferences like Into the Box and being able to make, you know, content on CFCast available um, in a native language down there, I think would actually be a really cool idea. Because then, we could, you know, they could push that at the conference and people could come and learn about CFML even easier.
0: Yep, and that's the plan. And, you know, obviously <sighs> there's price points and everything to be, you know, considerate of. And, and yeah, just basically just like learning to code. So we may actually have some, uh, you know, simpler ones. We talked about doing introductory type code things. And obviously things like the Cull Fusion in 100 Minutes book, you know, converting that, translating mm-hmm. that. We're all looking at different things like that. Anyway, sorry we got distracted. Um, Latam America, <laughs> the <laughs> ITB Latam is planning uh, early December. But let's get on to blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So it's been a busy week, but not a lot of content this week. So we got it pretty short and sweet. But um, the first one up we have is from Rakshif. Public Beta coal fusion, Next Project Stratus.
1: I'm waiting for the blog post to load. There we go. The ColdFusion portal's not loading for me.
0: Where is the portal? So <laughs> basically, uh, you know, it's here. The public beta is out and, you know, they're just reminding you sign up for that. And then these are some of the important things and the amazing highlights, as they put it. The installer size, this is a pretty big one for ColdFusion because for a long time, it's been at one gig plus, right? <laughs> uh, now mm-hmm. the installer is only 150 megs and it's just a zip installer. So you can get started very quickly and they say the startup time is only five seconds now. Is that true, Brad? Is it really only five seconds? I don't know, I haven't
1: timed it. I don't recall it
0: being particularly faster or slower. I know that else. some <coughs> of the versions I ran, like in the old days, version nine would take 180 seconds if you had a lot of sites. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the more sites uh, you had, yeah, the know. slower it got.
1: i have to do some, some, uh, some timings on that. Of course, all that talk of the installer doesn't matter if you are using command box to test the 2020 beta. Yep. In fact, you don't technically even need to sign up. Shh, you can just use command box and start up a CF engine equals Adobe at BE and you will get the latest uh, public beta. If you really want, you can do 2020 um, dash, whatever the heck, uh, I think it's, it's beta. I forget what I actually have, the uh, the um, the pre-release identifier in, in box. Yeah, you didn't even need to use the uh, the installer so long as you are um, using command box to, to test.
0: Yep. I think okay, they... beta one,
1: yeah, it's 2020.0.0-beta.1 is the Forgebox semantic version number for the, the beta.
0: Cool. Well, I'm curious how the AWS and Azure services work with their API. <laughs> um, but obviously, I want to learn a little more about their... Their package manager their setup tool and obviously compare and contrast to what we already built right but uh still it's kind of nice that they're out there you know and they have that working and then so the to PM- give a
1: quick comparison just like the war file i'm just looking at my command box artifacts folder right now uh adobe cold fusion 2018 update 10 the zip file for this the, the cf engine and command box which is basically the war is 328 megs uh if i look at the beta one the zip file, my artifacts is 121 megs. so that's a huge um, decrease in size of uh, of the core engine, which is which is pretty nice. But yeah, the package manager stuff you talked about is interesting, and honestly, I need to work on figuring out a little, some better tooling for that because the the problem you'll run into. If you, you know, grab Command Box, you say, hey, start up an Adobe ColdFusion 2020 beta server. It'll you'll grab the world, deploy it. You know, and you do a ColdBox create app, right? You dump a ColdBox folder in the, or a ColdBox app in the web root and you go hit it in the web browser and it goes, and it blows up and it's like, oh, you're using the uh, CF feeds tag, which is something the core ColdBox framework has in one of the data marshaller or something services and it won't compile because you don't have the, the feeds module installed. And so what you have to do is, you know, Go dig into the server home. You have to find the little CFPM, uh, which is the ColdFusion Package Manager, and you have to type, you know, CFPM install feed, um, or you know, whatever the packages you need, and it'll download those additional OSGI OSGI bundles for you. And then, you know, the the ColdBox site will work. Um, and so with Lucy, CommandBox has some plumbing that's kind of built in to be able to automatically install Lex files and put them in the right folders and stuff. Um, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to really dig in and do the same thing for Adobe cold fusion. So it's a little bit harder if you're trying to just like completely script, um, you know, an installation that has everything you need, you kind of have to start the command box server, then run the additional, you know, CFPM things to grab the additional modules you need, uh, which works. It all works. It's just something I have on my event horizon to figure out how I can make that more, you know, seamless. Um, it's like like with Lucy, you can use the box.json, and you can um, declare I need this extension, and then Command Box just kind of gets that for you as part of server the start of the server. I'd like to be able to do the same level of integration with Adobe Cool Fusion and their stuff, but I need more <laughs> free time.
0: <laughs> free time, but what's all, free time? <laughs>
1: yeah, I know it's all out there to play with. Just know that the the process is a little bit different than what you're used to, um, which is typical. You know that this, there's a reason that the download is only. You know, 120 megs for you know, Cold Fusion 2020 is because it doesn't have everything out of the box anymore. You know, a lot of stuff turned optional, which I think is is a really good um, change. You just have to realize it's not a kitchen sink anymore. Um, I say kitchen sink. You know, the everything in the kitchen sink phrase. uh, You know, you have to include some of those optional things if you use them in your application.
0: Yeah, I think having them in the box, Jason, would make sense. But it's kind of nice to have auto detection or whatnot but yeah that's well see because what lucy gives us is the deploy folder and you
1: can just drop a lex file in the deploy folder lucy will automatically go oh look an lex file appeared i'm watching this directory allow me to install it for you i don't know yet if adobe cold fusion has exposed any sort of similar like directory watcher kind of functionality where you can just like download it yourself and drop it in and it'll just pick it up and install it um, I'm, I'm hoping they did, and they don't force you to go through the CFPM. Um, and if for no other reason, the CFPM, which is one of the similar problems Lucy has, um, a lot of people don't want to have to download something as part of a server warm-up. They don't want to have to depend on some third-party server being online, otherwise they can't you know, build a Docker container. Um, so it's important for a lot of people to have you know, these extensions pre-downloaded in some local artifacts folder, and then their Docker build just puts them in the right place. And so th- that's the workflow. I'm not entirely sure um, yeah. what uh, what Adobe supports.
0: But Charlie did mention that the uh, 2020 Docker image has the feature to pull on, pull in the modules declaratively, so you may be able to leverage that. So, okay, so that's good to hear. I need to
1: take a look at that and see what that is. I don't know if that's code they put in the Docker image, or if that if the Docker image is just utilizing something that's baked into the core of uh, of Adobe Gold
0: Fusion. Yeah, it looks like a good place to start. They just- depending on if they are they public? I know that they're not on Docker Hub We have to go find the location. They're
1: but. on JFrog, actually. They're in Bentray, which is hosted by JFrog that we talked about earlier, who actually went incorporated this month. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, JFrog went incorporated the shares now. Um, I'm sure I could probably, well, actually, I don't know if I can. I'm, I'm trying to think if Adobe actually has like the Docker file itself published that, that builds the images. I haven't looked too closely at them. Um, but yeah, that's what I need to figure out is, is how they declaratively uh, declare that. Haha. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, with, with Lucy, it's an environment variable you set, you know, Lucy-extensions dash equals, and it's like a comma limited list of extensions you want it to install. Um, I'm hoping Adobe Fusion has something similar. Um, at least that kind of gives us a point we can tie into because it, it, it is really about automation, like
0: you talked. Yeah, for sure. Although apparently they're... They're only in their pre-release download like the other installers. They're not actually. Uh, oh yeah, JFrog, that's so... a, that's a good point, Charlie. Adobe's Adobe's public Docker images are on JFrog,
1: but the 2020 beta images haven't been pushed there yet. So that's a very good point. So if you want to play with that, you do have to go through the pre-release um forum to be able to download it. So good point on that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure if you write an email nicely, you might be able to get the Docker file. Maybe. <laughs> There's a download repo command for offline. Mm. So maybe. Right. See, I
1: need to research all of this. This is all on my to-do list to figure out what Adobe has and figure out how it can integrate with it.
0: Yeah. But, we also, um, also talked about just, you know, creating a Adobe wire file that had everything already included, but obviously that'd be big and, you know, so, so yeah. Okay. Well, that was a, a good little sidetrack there, but let's go on to the yeah, next one. I'm, I'm
1: making a mental note to bug Charlie later and see if he has like actual documentation
0: links for some of that for me. <laughs> okay. So next up, we have a blog from Benny He's been on vacation, <clears throat> but he's still busy. <laughs> so using Amazon S3 as a temporary storage in Lucy CFML. And so probably the best thing most people would say about this is like why don't you just use the s3 object expiration rules which is amazing because you can tell you know amazon anytime i put something in here after so long delete it but the problem is is that he can't use that and so this is an experiment into figuring out what he can do if he can't do that because basically uh, so
1: i saw his tweet on this and i was curious why he can't use it but i hadn't read the post yet because his, like
0: a... his platform team is too busy, and they have such a crazy setup that it basically doesn't have time to get that in there without making a mess of everything else. So Wait, what? Okay, so he can use it, but they're just not using it then. Well, I mean, it would be tricky to do this level of configuration, apparently, in their current setup and whatever, because they've got a, a okay. pretty big platform with lots of things going on. <clears throat> So, See, I, at first, I assumed you meant there was some like technical
1: issue or like a bug in Lucy that, you know, made it impossible to use the feature. But it sounds like
0: it's just organization. It wouldn't, or anything.
1: yeah, it wouldn't really be easy to use it. So he's looking for another angle. Yep. So, <laughs> all right, was, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> interesting. And so basically, he was looking at this. Now, funnily enough, George Murphy actually missed me the other day saying that, did you know that you could write SQL statements in JavaScript against AWS?
1: Yeah, he was and sending that actu- to me as well. You can actually well, it was query again, it was against, buckets. It was against JSON files in, in AWS, wasn't it? No, but,
0: but it was actually giving you back JSON files <clears throat> of responses, but you were actually querying buckets for file lists and stuff. So it was actually a SQL approach to getting data out of AWS. For things like what's in your bucket what's in this folder etc so it was really okay. interesting and see I, I read the link that George had sent me and I saw that they had
1: kind of a SQL syntax on querying from a JSON file but I just assumed it was JSON files that you had created and stored in S3 but it no. sounds like you can stack that on top of probably some of the like built-in JSON APIs that have just kind of metadata about the buckets and then yeah. query on top of that. And so that's that, actually even more clever than I had originally realized.
0: Yeah. So that was interesting. So in this one here, uh, Ben is basically, you know, looking at different things with the files and, and basically the paths to try and figure out placeholders for things. And so you had to do it the brute force way, which is just pretty neat. Um, like I said, it just makes me appreciate even more how cool the lifecycle events are on AWS S3. Where if you want to make sure something doesn't live longer than a you know a week or two, I like thinking for backups. You know, you can basically upload all your stuff and you can set different expiration dates. That they could be you know this backup will expire you know every week, but these ones will last for a month. So that way, you know, certain backups live longer, etc. Um, but yeah, so this here works. Looks like it's got a pretty good little system here, um, but yeah, long story short of it, using the S3 life cycles is pretty cool. That
1: is cool. Though it appears that Ben's using his own S3 client. We need to get him adding whatever he's doing to to our actual Ortis S3 SDK.
0: Yes. Interesting. Yeah, because he's got a whole bunch of things in here. Yeah, we will have to have him share it because it, I didn't realize that it was a, his own little client that he had made as a wrapper and using yeah. different well, job files.
1: Part of what this, he's doing is Lucy specific and wouldn't work on Adobe. But, yeah, yeah I hate to see Ben reinventing some, some of the wheel and I'm pretty certain it's probably already in the in the S3 SDK that's already out there on Forgebox. It'd be nice to see him just add this functionality to, to
0: what's already there so everybody can use it. Yeah, and then that's the thing too with the AWS, you can do stuff with the the REST API or you could use the you know the Java tool as well. Uh, there's the Java SDK, which is huge. Um, that's why a lot of people lean towards the REST stuff instead of using well, yeah, the I mean Java. The
1: thing is, from my understanding, all the Java SDK does is eventually just interact with the REST API at the end of the day. I mean I could be wrong, but that's what I've always assumed is the case. The the S3 SDK that we use with Ortis, um I think I don't even think we originally wrote it, I think we copied it from somewhere to begin with and then built on top of it. Um, you know, it just does its own CFHTP, you know, direct interactions with the with the REST API. Um, you know, the, the tricky part was just getting all the signing and stuff working right. But you it know. is it's very lightweight and doesn't require anything um, you know, special to be I don't think it has any jars it requires. I think it's just a complete standalone CFML implementation. So,
0: yeah, that's pretty interesting. And James Moberg says uses a third party S3 tool too called S3 Express. I used to use S3 CMD. The AWS CLI is pretty neat too. If you want to drop down, there's a lot of uh, interesting things. Um, I don't
1: think it's incredibly full featured, but there is also a command for command box, I believe, that does some basic. s3 manipulations
0: yeah which is kind of cool yep and then charlie said that with cf 2020's use of s3 um it has all sorts of uh things that try and make that easier too so a lot of options out there for you for sure um but interesting approach you know they say using basically naming all the files a certain way and be able to pass that and folderize them etc a lot of things just building a system and yeah, I really like the way S3 is, you know, tried to build life cycles and they got Lambda support for things and makes your life a lot easier. But hmm. there's always a way. Well, next up, speaking of John Ferrar, apparently he's been uh, busy on other podcasts too, John. Thanks. Man. Uh <laughs> on us with other podcasts. So on the CFLive <laughs> podcast, he was talking about open source learning. And so he's... Uh, had a few things on the slack channels talking about open source learning and uh, building a new project and um so this one is basically all about that so uh it's in my playlist i haven't listened to it yet but um i'm sure it's a, a great interview there john's really passionate about uh learning and sharing his learning abilities and he really wants to build like a community project to have you know a good cold fusion learning system learning management system because like you said, there's a lot of them out there, but they don't all do everything you need. And these days, learning management's a pretty big market. And so it might be one of those tools that could make CFML, you know, noticeable again. So uh, definitely talk to John in the chat uh, or in the Slack channel. Uh, he's, he was always happy to talk about that and check out that podcast. Back to Ben the Dell. Yep, so this I one. I don't think I
1: saw this one. Array pop, array shift, and array slice safe in Lucy.
0: Yeah. So this one here, uh, like myself, when you're doing a lot of stuff in JavaScript, you get used to having functions that don't exist in ColdFusion. <laughs> I have <laughs> joked for quite a while about having to create like a library to, you know, basically standardize these types of uh, functions. I'd like to have a Fusion one for JavaScript so I can use all the weird names of ColdFusion arrays and functions. Um, but, so this one here basically is, you know, it would like like certain things to exist in in Lucy. And so he talks about things like shift and pop member functions that hopefully, you know, Cold fusion would have, I don't know if CF collections, uh, that Eric worked on a while back, you know, he, he had a whole bunch of member functions before member functions were even really built in. Um, he made them so you work with a collection. So you could load, you know, a structure array into a collection. And then the collection library had all those extra functions on it. And so it gave you a wrapper. And I think that's pretty similar to what Ben (coughs) is doing in this one here. Um, And then, you know, that gives you So what we need Ben to do
1: is to start using the CF collections library and then add his enhancements there, as opposed to making his own library. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the fun of that Brad? So, yeah. I know. Uh, so, I mean, I, I do like this idea is, um, you know, because so array pop and array shift basically is, you know, take the first item out of an array or the last item. And you can already do array first and array last and in Cold Fusion, but that doesn't modify the original array. It just grabs the first item, but it's still in the array. Um, so if you're wanting to interact with an array is sort of a, a data structure that's being mutated as you pull items out of it. You end up having to do, you know, array first or last to get the item. Then you have to, you know, chop it off the array, um, or maybe some combination of slice. Uh, but I sort of like this one because it, you know, gives the item back and modifies the array at the same time. What's yeah. interesting about the array slice safe is um, some people were just talking in in the the CFML Slack the other day about some of the um, string functions I think in Lucy and possibly Adobe Cold Fusion. Um, you know, where you're doing left or right. Uh, or maybe he was even then he was talking about it left, right and mid and stuff like that. And occasionally um, those functions will be implemented in such a way that if you ask for an index that's technically invalid as opposed to throwing an error, it will just kind of just ignore it and just say, okay, well that's that index is too far. I'm just gonna assume you meant only to be here. Um, and of course, it's always kind of an argument. you know, should the built-in functions be um, super rigid and just throw an exception in those cases? or should they you know just give you back like the best guess? Um, and so his array slice safe is basically one of those kind of safe ways of doing it. If the index you give it is a little bit too far, it, it won't blow up on you. So I like these. Um,
0: yeah. And
1: yeah, there's been a few case, a few places where I, I think I wished I had this in, in cold fusion for sure. Right. Had to do a couple lines of code to, to simulate this one operation.
0: Yep. Exactly. I, I thought it was pretty neat. And like I said, I definitely like having, similarities with switching from JavaScript and, you know, and ColdFusion as much as I do. I don't know how many times I've done a dot .lin on something that doesn't work <laughs> in JavaScript and vice versa. But anyways. Well, yeah, several of the places I think I've run
1: into this is when I was doing uh, Code Wars, kata's, yep. and I was taking something I'd solved in JavaScript and solving it in Fusion, and I had to use more Fusion code
0: uh, because of how it worked. Yep, for sure okay next up we have a blog from steve bryant about pluralizing in cold fusion hmm. and so he says 10 years ago he used to generic <laughs> generically pluralize english language basically if it ends with an s then it adds an es if it ends with a y he just the yeah. y of doesn't white, ruby you know. have a, a, a library like that that i've heard of before Pretty much, but basically he was saying that he was doing it wrong uh, 10 years ago, (laughs) and so now he uh, basically, you know, uses the the Pluralizer, and so the Pluralizer function does it a little better, and I think Eric has something like this in Quick for, you know, single names and, uh, you know, plural names and everything, so, but yeah, it's just, there's libraries like that out there, you know, if you're working on something, sometimes you can find another tool, so. Um I don't think pluralizer is in forgebox. Um, oh, it's part it looks- of this com.stub tools. We covered that he last about, week. Yeah. With this that is caching. One of the other tools he he made, I believe. So. Yep. This needs to be on forgebox. If it isn't? Get it on
1: forgebox now.
0: Yeah. That's cool. So, it's just one of those things, and, you know, if you're dealing with ORM and objects, a lot of times you need, you know, singular versions of certain things and plural of another things. And James mm-hmm. Moberg is about to share what he uses. So we'll tell you that in a second here too. <laughs> but while we're doing, wait for that. Okay, he uses. I don't uh, think your
1: link came through, James. It's probably blocked.
0: Sorry. See, I let to tweet about it. And we'll have to share it that way. Yahoo
1: says denied. You cannot post that link. Yep. Thank you, Yahoo. Or yeah, Yahoo, YouTube. YouTube, whatever the heck your name is. Let's say. I for one embrace our new censoring overlords. There we go. Cold Fusion Inflector is the name of it. On GitHub.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, so next up we got jobs. So right now we have uh get CFML jobs just has one new job this week. If we look at their site here, you'll see they have a cold fusion developer, T S S C I with Polygraph at Ventley, Virginia. Wait, you have to pass
1: a polygraph test? Is that what you said?
0: uh, Here, it says TSCSI with polygraph. (laughs) What does that mean? Good question. Let's check out. I I was joking, but
1: does that actually mean you have to pass a polygraph test to be hired?
0: You'll bring these qualifications. Yeah, you need polygraph clearance.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I want to apply for this just so I can take a polygraph test. I have no intentions of accepting. You know, a job (laughs) offer. I just want to, I've never taken a polygraph test. I mean, how many times have you seen it in movies?
0: Yeah. You want to see if it works? Ask
1: me questions. Where were you the night of the
0: 23rd? I don't know. You're not hired. So, yeah, but that job is available on getcfmodjobs.com. And yeah. Good Job there and Audis is hiring. I know Brad's been busy uh, with all the applicants for the senior Cold Fusion developer position. It's still on I the I have site. an interview with someone in seven minutes. Yep. So, you know, basically <laughs> working with us to help uh, modernize web applications and help people move out of legacy hell. Modernization. Uh, basically, the the big musts are is the U.S. time zone availability is a must, and the U.S. citizen or resident or work visa is a must. So, if you are interested in that, we have ordersolutions.com slash about-us slash careers. Sweet. So, if you guys are interested. Okay, let's move on to Forgebox Module of the Week. This one is Dupefy by Dupefy. Michael Bourne. So, this is a fun little one, and he did warn me that he's not sure how well it works yet. <laughs> but it's a little... That's the com- best kind command box module to generate many copies of a file. So if you need a test and you need to have a whole bunch of PDFs or JPEGs or something that needs to be processed, you can basically run this installation. And then you can say, uh, once you install Duplify to the system, then you can actually (laughs) duplicate a file so many times. And so you can say, okay, I wanna, you know, Hey, take this file, I want three versions of this PDF, save it in this folder, I want four pictures of, you know, four of this profile picture, save it there. And So, so
1: how does it name them?
0: I don't sure? see that anywhere in the readme. Uh, I don't Maybe know. Maybe just
1: appends a number on the end of it? Yeah. I'm I mean, yeah, sure. like, I could have actually used this in the past when, you know, I want to, like, just put a thousand test files, you know, into a, into a folder, and I have to, you know, write a quick little task runner with a loop and a file write kind of nonsense, this, this would be kind of cool
0: yep and So it just makes i'm guessing companies. you have
1: to provide it with like one file for it to copy it can't just create a jpeg all on its own
0: yeah so here's duplify 300 of this file and then it does it in the same folder unless you give it the folder that you want to spit it out to okay so you
1: give it kind of the the base file and then it takes it and
0: so thanks for that Yep. Nice, nice little full command box module for that, you know, so you can prep something and yeah, looping over a file or so many times. Pretty interesting. So now again, does it have
1: a command that goes back and deletes them all for you when it's done?
0: That would be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? Obviously it's command box. I was wondering if you could throw that into uh, actually like a cold box module, then your test suite, your test harness could actually generate them, do something with them and then delete them when it's done.
1: Oh yeah. Just like kind of like a service
0: layer. Yeah, a little cleanup inside your questions. test. Because that, that is a command box command, but pretty yeah. cool. And again, obviously, he was writing some tests, needed to loop through something for for his test to, to be valid. So that's what he built, and he shared it with everybody. Yeah. So cool. Thank you. Next up, we have a VS Code hint tip trick of the week. This one is pretty. I'll say that much. So those of you who are listening, sorry, but you don't get to see how pretty this is. So... Actually, we'll blow it up a little bit more.
1: Oh wow, it's so beautiful! Oh, no. But this
0: is a visual debugger for VS Code. So as you what? actually have an array and things move and get replaced, or if you have something which has you know, appendies, you have all these different visualization functions. So whoa! So as your code so is it right only to work debugger. for
1: what languages does it work for?
0: Well, if I scroll down a little more, you'll see uh, it's got full support for JavaScript and TypeScript, but it has some support for Go, Python, uh, Code PHP, Java. I don't even know. What, oh, Swift, C plus plus. I'm Rust. I'm
1: guessing these languages all need to have an actual like debugger written for VS Code.
0: Yeah, so most of them are using you know a certain debugger that it's
1: already in okay. There. Yeah, they all say using X Y Z debug adapter.
0: Yeah, so it builds on top of the the adapter, ties into the information from it. But I just think it's pretty cool. You see this array actually, like, reorganized in in front of you. It's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, I like the visualization. So basically, we wouldn't be able to get ColdFusion support until such a time that somebody actually wrote a ColdFusion debugger.
0: Yeah, but with all the times we do stuff in uh, JavaScript, this might be useful for that, too. So, there's a little playground you can go look at and see all the different visualizations, and then yeah, basically inside the debugger, you just choose the virtualiz- the visualization you want, and away you go. It's got like little graphs and charts and you know all sorts of cool stuff. So pretty neat. So if you're debugging something, maybe visualizing will help. So thought that was pretty like cool. It. And yeah, Scott Steinbeck uh, submitted that one. So thank you, Scott.
1: Let's finish this thing up. I have to interview someone in two minutes.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I'll read it real quick. But uh, thank you to all our (laughs) our Patreon supporters. Uh, If you want to support us on Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash order solutions. And the money goes to first supporting our podcast, but then also we'll support things like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, and all the other box products out there. Okay, so thank you. Ben Adele, Brett DeLine, Carl Stanton, Charlie Earhart, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Didilla Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jan Yannick, Jason Deiger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Joseph Erickson, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lammery, Kai Koenig, Lex Martirahadi, Mario Rodriguez, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan Hughes, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Odin, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogi Smither. All of these are listed on our autosolutions.com about us slash sponsors, and more information about how you can support us too. And we thank each and every one of you for making this possible, because without it, uh, yeah, it would be a hard thing to do. So thank you, everybody. And Brad can go do his interview now, and we'll see you guys next week. Alright, peace out everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue tree Audio.